Please open your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 3. We're continuing our series in 1 Peter. And we're going to be looking at the first seven verses. And if you don't have a Bible, you can use one of the Bibles on the backs of the pews and turn to page 954. And if you don't own a Bible, please take one of those Bibles as a gift from the church. All right, so 1 Peter chapter 3. Verses 1 through 7. Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see your respectful and pure conduct. Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear. But let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves, by submitting to their own husbands, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. And you are her children if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. This is God's word. Let's pray. Our God, we ask that as we approach your word right now, that you would eliminate all distractions. We pray that you would give us ears to hear and, then, and that in hearing your word, we would respond in obedience. Respond in obedience to what you have said in your word. Give us humble and moldable hearts. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, have you ever put too much thought into the fact that the Apostle Peter was married? Have you thought about that at all? Peter was married. The the one who wrote this letter had a wife. We know this because we learn from the Gospels that Peter had a mother-in-law. She was sick, and Jesus healed her. And also in 1 Corinthians 9, 5, the apostle Paul mentions that some of the apostles brought along their wives as they proclaimed the gospel and established churches, including Peter. And so Mrs. Peter traveled along with him doing gospel ministry. Peter had experience of what married life was before and after Jesus. And from what we know about Peter, his wife may have had difficult moments being married to such an impulsive man. The same could be said about some of us as well. But it would be interesting to hear about how their marriage was transformed as they both started to follow Jesus. But we don't have any information on their marriage. But we do have this section in one of Peter's letters where he writes to husbands and wives and encourages them to be obedient in the ways that the Lord has called them. No doubt Peter and Mrs. Peter lived this way. The question that Peter answers in these verses is, what difference does the gospel make to a Christian marriage? What difference does the gospel make to a Christian marriage? 
And before we begin, I'd like to address those in the room who are not married. Yes, we're going to be talking about marriage today, and here are some reasons why you should not check out and start thinking about what you're going to do the rest of your Sunday. For some of you, one day you'll be married, and this, these words from Peter will prepare you for that. For some of you, you are friends with married people, and this will help you to encourage them and hold them accountable. And lastly, whether God has called you to be married or single in the future, this will help you pray for those who are married currently. And so this sermon is not only for the married people in the room, it's for everybody. And the main point of my sermon this morning is this, submission and honor are marks of a godly marriage. Submission and honor are marks of a godly marriage. Take a look at verses one and two. Peter writes, Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see your respectful and pure conduct. The word likewise refers back to what Peter has been writing about in the previous section, the attitude and submission of Jesus Christ. And although we have this chapter division in our Bibles, Peter's letter didn't have that. These verses are a part of this long flowing section that starts in chapter 2, verse 11, where Peter tells Christians that they are to abstain from the passions of the flesh. They are to say no to sin and live honorable lives. And why do we do this? We do this for the goal of people seeing our good deeds and glorifying God. We live honorable lives for the sake of the lost and the glory of God. Because the Lord has placed people in authority over us, we submit to them as God's servants, whether we, whether we agree with them or not. And so Peter tells uh, the Christians here in his letter that they are to submit to those who are in the government, to those who are in authority over them. We are to submit to those in our workplaces, our bosses, our supervisors. And now Peter is honing in on the home. We are to follow the example set by Jesus Christ, even in the home. And here in these verses, Peter is encouraging wives to submit to their husbands. The application here is broad. All Christian wives should submit to their husbands. But Peter specifically addresses a situation that was a reality for some of these elect exiles that Peter was writing to. There were women in the church whose husbands were not Christians. And in the time that Peter was writing this letter, the husband's religion was the default religion of the family. And so whatever God or gods he worshipped, the whole family worshipped. And so you could imagine the problems that would arise in this marriage when a wife became a believer and stopped worshipping the household gods. The husband could see this as a threat to his leadership. And the wife could be tempted to look down on her husband and maybe make known the things that she disapproved of. I want to make this clear, though. 
This passage is not to encourage believers to marry unbelievers. In 2 Corinthians 6, 14, the Apostle Paul tells the, the Christians in Corinth to not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. But what sometimes happens is that two unbelieving people get married and one of them gets saved. One of them becomes a Christian. And so in this instance, Peter is helping a believing wife understand what she is to do in regards to her unbelieving husband. How is she supposed to follow Jesus in such a situation? What would be pleasing to God? And so Peter, the marriage counselor, encourages wives to be subject or to submit to their husbands. Notice here Peter is not saying to submit to all men, but specifically to their own husbands. A Christian wife is called to be supportive, not to a stranger, but to the one man on earth that God has given to her. And what we will see is that this submission is not based on who your husband is, how responsible he is, or even if he's a believer. Christian submission is rooted in God's good and wise authority. But it would be irresponsible of me to not acknowledge the negative connotations that this word submit brings up, right? It brings up some negative thoughts. There have been many degrading explanations and abusive applications of this text. And so very quickly, I want to make clear what this text does not say. It does not mean that you must always agree with your husband and that you have no voice in your marriage. It does not mean that if your husband is unfaithful to you, you are left without any biblical recourse. It does not mean that if your husband asks you to sin, that you should do it. You should not. You should abstain from the passions of your flesh. It does not mean that if your husband abuses you physically or verbally, that you must remain quiet and not tell anybody. You should go to the authorities immediately. If any of those things are happening, make sure that you go to someone that you trust and get help. I'm dead serious about that. A wife is not property to be used, mistreated, or disregarded at the husband's discretion. He belongs to her just as much as she belongs to him. It is within the covenant of companionship that wives are to submit to their husbands. But Peter here is talking about a loving marriage in which the believing wife desires for her husband to know Jesus. And so Peter's counsel to her is that she should submit to him. She should respect him. Peter is calling all wives to act like Jesus. Jesus came to serve others. He took the form of a servant. Peter is saying, act like Jesus towards your husband's. And the word submission here is a military term used to describe a soldier's submission to his commanding officer. And so if we think about this, a private in the army is not lesser of a person or a second-class citizen in comparison to their commanding officer. 
But in terms of authority, he is placed under that general. In these verses, Peter does not mean that women are any lesser or inferior to men. They are both made in the image of God. And in fact, in verse 7, Peter says that they are co-heirs in the gospel. But wives are to submit to the authority of their husbands. The command for wives to submit to their husbands is seen all throughout the New Testament. Ephesians 5.22 says, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Colossians 3.18, Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. In Titus 2.5, Older women should teach younger women to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind, and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. It's pretty clear that the submission of a wife is first and foremost for the Lord's sake. As to the Lord, submit as is fitting to the Lord. Be submissive so that the word of God may not be reviled. A wife's submission is an act of obedience to God. It's the fruit of their submission to Christ. And all people are called by God to function under authority. We talked about this last week. This is not unique to a wife. All people are designed to function first and foremost under God's divine authority and then under human authority. And God has given men the responsibility to lead the home. And because of this God-given authority, wives should submit to their husbands. But this submission is a voluntary response to the word of God. She submits of her own will. She's not forced. Her submission is to be an expression of her faith in God, just like our submission to the government, just like our submission to those in the workplace. And consider why God created women. In Genesis 2.18, it says, Then the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make a helper fit for him. God created women because it's not good for men to be alone. We need a helper. He didn't create women in order for them to be abused and used by men. No, God created women to be helpers. I will make a helper fit for him. Wives, have you considered that God has called you and made you to be a helper fit for your husband? And a quick note to couples who are in a dating or an engagement phase, God is not calling you to practice or prove your ability to submit to your boyfriend or fiance. I want to make that super clear. God is not calling you to practice or prove your ability to submit to your boyfriend or fiance. The calling to submit is only when you have a husband. But wives are helpers to their husbands. They're also made in the image of God, so they are equal in dignity and value. But there are distinct, specific roles that the Lord has placed in the home. Husbands are the head of the households, 
and women are the helpers. The Puritans used to say that men are the head of the household and women are the heart. That's true. And so a wife's submission to her husband means that they help him. They respect him. They honor him. They encourage him. This submission is evangelistic. Do you see the goal of this submission in the text? Look again at verse 1. So that... Though even, even if some do not obey the word, they may be one without a word. The goal is that husbands who do not obey the word, meaning those who reject the gospel, those who don't believe, would believe. The goal here is that unbelieving husbands would receive Christ. They would see their wife's good deeds and glorify God. Submission is evangelistic. And when Peter writes that they would be one without a word, that doesn't mean that women should never speak to their husbands or share the gospel with them. But in any instance of evangelism, the word is proclaimed, and then sometimes the unbeliever watches. They want to see the transformation that the gospel has on somebody. Sometimes actions speak louder than words. So an unsaved husband will not be converted by the nagging in the home. So turning on the Christian radio super loud so that her husband can hear the word or hear the truth is not what Peter is calling wives to do in this text. The submissive wife loves her husband and she serves him. Many spouses remain passive. They attend church on their own asking for prayer for their unbelieving spouse, but then go home and complain to them all day long. God calls them to do more than this. He wants them to take action. It's the character and conduct of a wife that will win her husband to Jesus. In verse 2, the hope is that the respectful and pure conduct is seen when her husband observes the kindness, the thoughtful actions, the loving words, and the willingness to submit when he knows that she would rather not. That's when God works. And being respectful here is in reference to God. So a literal translation of verse 2 would be that as they observe, as husbands observe your pure conduct in the fear of God. Peter's point was that the pure and loving conduct of their wives comes from a relationship with God, comes from being in the fear of God. And the result is a positive response to the gospel. And isn't this what all Christian wives desire? If your husband is a believer, your Christ-like behavior is just going to make him love Jesus more. This is the reason for submission. Not so that husbands can be dictators, but so that they would desire more of Jesus. Submission is evangelistic. Now take a look at verses 3 through 4. Submission is beautiful. Peter writes, Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear. But let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle 
and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. Our culture is often confused about what true beauty is. We tend to focus so much on the outer, physical appearances. But here in these verses, Peter is telling us what God finds beautiful. The temptation for wives is to think that they could win their husbands by their looks, by the way that their hair was braided, by their shiny jewelry and the certain types of clothing that they wore. Consider the pressure that women have today in our society to look and dress a certain way. Peter explains that there is an inward beauty that is far greater and very precious in the sight of God. But he's not prohibiting getting your hair done or wearing jewelry or having nice clothes. All these things are good gifts that the Lord has given us, but these things need to be seen with the proper perspective. He's warning against superficial beauty. Outward beauty fades. Proverbs 31.30 says, Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. So don't be over-concerned about your outward beauty, but be focused on the inward beauty. I'm sure most of you women wouldn't leave the house without checking yourself in the mirror to, to look at your hair or to see if your, 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 your shirt's uh, buttoned correctly. But have you been, ever been not willing to leave your house because you haven't read your Bible that morning? Have you ever been not willing to leave your house without thinking that, how could I be a helper to my husband this morning? Peter tells these women that true beauty comes from the heart and not the store. True beauty comes from the heart and not the store. And this beauty continues when wrinkles start to show up. Let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit. Many women pay a lot of money in order to maintain their youthful beauty. Botox. Okay, I thought that was going to be a funny thing to say. <laughs> I guess not. Many women spend a lot of money on their beauty, on their outward youthful beauty, but outward beauty fades Peter says that this inward beauty is imperishable. This imperishable beauty of the hidden person of the heart consists of a gentle and quiet spirit. It's important to point out here that Peter is not saying that a gentle and quiet spirit is a woman-like quality. This is a Christ-like quality. Peter is telling women to act and look like Jesus. In Matthew eleven twenty nine, 29, Jesus says that he is gentle and lowly in heart. So Peter isn't saying that women should develop inward woman-like qualities. No, he's encouraging them to develop Christ-like qualities and then express them towards their husbands. And whether or not their husbands appreciate this gentleness and humility, Peter reminds them, that their beauty, their inward beauty, is very precious in the sight of God. Submission is beautiful. So submission is evangelistic. 
Submission is beautiful and submission is modeled. In verses 5 and 6, Peter points to the holy women of the Old Testament, specifically Sarah, Abraham's wife, as an example of a godly woman. Take a look at verses 5 and 6. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves, by submitting to their own husbands, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. And you are her children if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. The example of these holy women from the Old Testament can be an inspiration to Christian women in every generation. Their hope was in God. A wife's submission is precious in the sight of God because it shows that she has placed her hope in God. And there are many poor examples in our world of what a marriage should look like and are most likely the cause of why our marriages have so many issues. Social media and marriage experts promote worldly solutions to marriage, not consisting of sacrifice and submission, but of pride and emphasis of self. What Peter is telling women to do, wives to do, is instead of looking to the world for examples, wives should look to the holy women of the Bible. You cannot live a godly life without examples. And if you look at the life of Abraham, you'll quickly see the loving submission of his wife, Sarah. She willingly accepted a nomadic lifestyle, following her husband wherever he went into unknown lands. She submitted to Abraham in moments where he was following the Lord in faith. She submitted to Abraham in moments in which he sinned miserably. And even in the life of Abraham and Sarah, there were moments where God told Abraham, listen to your wife. This wasn't a slavish submission, but a loving and respectful submission to the authority that God had placed in her life. So you are Sarah's children if you do good. This means that if you submit to your husband as Sarah did, you too show that your hope is in God and that you fear him. You fear him above everything else. And if you fear God above everything else, then you have no reason to fear anything in this life. Wives are called to submit to their husbands. Six verses for the wives, one for the husband. Take a look at verse seven. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. The path of Christian living is no different for the husband than for a wife. Both are called to a loving and humble and compassionate submission to Jesus Christ. But since the husband's role is different, the form of his service is different. The wife is called to be submissive to her husband. And here in these verses, the husband is called to honor his wife. Peter has fewer words for, hu- for husbands, but they're no less challenging. 
In light of the context, it's actually interesting that Peter would say anything to husbands since they're the ones who are in authority. He didn't say anything to the emperors. He didn't say anything to the governors. He didn't say anything to the masters. But after instructing wives to submit to their own husbands, Peter clarifies that submission does not mean husbands may treat wives like property. A wife's submission is not supposed to be imposed by her husband. Men, listen up. There is no command for that in the text. Husbands aren't told to tell their wives to submit. Jesus does. You don't. Speaking to myself as well. I need to speak firmly. You are commanded to honor your wives. To honor your wives. Peter tells the husbands to live with their wives in an understanding way. A married couple can live together and be strangers. So here Peter is saying that it's the husband's responsibility to ensure that that's not the case. He is to live with his wife in an understanding way. He is supposed to understand her. He lives with her according to knowledge. What Peter is saying is that a husband should be a lifelong learner of his wife. And so husbands, spend time with your wives. Listen carefully to them. Pay attention. Show concern. Get involved. Encourage her. The original meaning of the word husband came from the idea that of someone who cultivated the land. That is our job as husbands. We are to cultivate our wives. We need to not only live with them, but to know and understand what they like, what they dislike, what are her thoughts, what are her fears, to be with her intimately, to be with her spiritually. In my marriage, I often ask Diane, how are you doing? But this is more of a general question. And so she responds back with, I'm doing good, or I'm tired. (laughs) But she knows that I'm digging deeper when I ask her, how's your heart? I haven't asked that uh, that often recently. So I need to do that. But make sure that you are digging deeper with your wives, getting to know them, seeking to know truly how they are doing. What does Peter say next? Showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel. Showing honor means that the husband respects his wife's feelings, thinking, and desires. It doesn't mean that you give in to whatever your wife tells you to do. A husband can disagree with his wife, but he still respects her and honors her. Husbands, have you thought this last week or this last month, how can I honor my wife? God has commanded that you honor your wives. In Proverbs 31, listen to what the woman's husband does. Her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Have you shown honor to your wife? Have you praised her? 
The main thrust here, the command, is for men to show honor to their wives. And Peter tells husbands to do this in two ways. One, by honoring their wives' physical differences. And two, by honoring them and their spiritual equality. A lot of horrible teaching is derived from that, less, or that weaker vessel part. Peter isn't saying that women are weaker mentally or spiritually, but simply that men are generally stronger than women. Of course. But generally speaking, the man is the stronger of the two physically. And because of this, he is to treat his wife in a loving and respectful way. He is to protect her. Under no circumstances should a husband put his hands on his wife to harm her. You do not prove your manhood by threatening, by bullying, or abusing a woman. Men know that women have vulnerabilities. And here husbands are called to notice those vulnerabilities and seek to love and protect their wives. Husbands honor their wives in their physical differences, and they also honor their wives in their spiritual equality. Verse 7 says that husbands should show honor to their wives since they are heirs with you in the grace of life. While there are distinctions between men and women, they are equal in God's sight. Galatians 3.28 says this, There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. The scriptures are clear that male headship is in the home and in the church, and wives are to submit to their husbands, but this submission does not mean that men are superior and women are inferior. Husbands and wives are co-heirs to the grace of life. We have a common salvation. Jesus died for men and women. Our wives are our sisters in Christ. We are heirs of the grace of life. We have been saved by grace. We are sanctified by grace. We've been strengthened by grace. We are servants by grace, and we are secure by grace. And so we are to honor our wives since they are co-heirs with us. God has entrusted you with one of his daughters. And he commands you to honor her. Peter also gives a warning to husbands who do not show honor to their wives. Take a look at the end of verse 7. He says, so that your prayers may not be hindered. This verse clarifies the mystery of unanswered prayer sometimes. If you do not love, know, and honor your wife, it will hinder your prayers. Our responsibility as husbands to show honor to our wives is so serious that God says to us, if we don't do it, then he won't commune with us. God takes the role of husbands that seriously. In fact, husbands should reflect the love that Christ has for the church. In Ephesians 5.25, the, the Apostle Paul says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. 
It is our God-ordained duty to love our, li- our wives in a sacrificial way. We should know our wives better than anyone else. Christ gave everything he had, even his own life for the sake of his church. And God has called us to follow in that example, specifically with our wives. This is the standard for us as husbands. We are to live with our wives in an understanding way. We are to honor them in our physical differences and in the equality we have as heirs and the grace of life. And so in response to what we have heard, for those who are in a Christian marriage, for those who are a Christian husband and a Christian wife, let's take these verses and pray over these things. Ask, how can I please God? Wives, does your love for your husband reflect the submission, patience, and obedience of Christ? Do you honor your husband as the church is meant to honor Christ? Gentlemen, does your love for your wife reflect the honoring and sacrificial love of Jesus? Ask the Lord to show you how you can be practically obedient in these areas this week. If you're here and you're married to a non-Christian, you cannot nag your spouse into heaven. It doesn't work that way. But the way in which you conduct yourself could be the means of grace in which the Lord uses to stir their soul. Maybe they will see how the gospel has transformed you and they will desire to know God. For those who feel convicted, like myself, who see that they've sinned against God and their spouse, remember that Jesus Christ bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we could die to sin and live to righteousness. That sin that you're thinking about in your mind has been paid for. You have been justified. Yes, it's serious. Yes, it cost Christ his life, but it has been dealt with. Turn to God in repentance. Ask forgiveness towards your spouse. Say no to sin and pursue living a life that seeks to love and honor your spouse. If you're here and you're not a Christian, the first issue in your life is submission to God. There is salvation through Jesus Christ alone. And so ask God to make himself known to you. You can come up and talk to me. You can come and talk to Pastor Scott. We would love to pray for you and help you and see what the next step is for you. But to all of you listening, I hope that you've seen in these verses that Peter isn't strained from what he has said in the verses previously. He's encouraging husbands and wives to godly living to act like Christ, to follow Jesus in his example of submission, even under difficult circumstances. Wives, remember that your inward beauty is very precious in the sight of God. Husbands, the way that you treat your wives directly impacts your communion with God. 
Both of these commands reflect Jesus' loving service in which he voluntarily submitted himself to the Father's will. Christ's submission to the Father is the example for wives and their submission to their husbands. And Christ's saving and honoring love for his people, his church, is the example for husbands to love and honor their wives. Submission and honor are marks of a godly marriage. Let's pray.